Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I have with me today Mike Skripnik, who is joining us from the Vancouver area. Mike and I met through our mutual involvement with C-Suite Radio Network, which is the podcast network hosting this show, and it's also the largest business radio network and podcast network in the world. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much, Pat. Glad to be here. I think our listeners are going to be curious as why I brought Mike on the show. Who is he? How is he involved with writing? And what are his books about? So let's start with who is Mike? Oh, that's a, there's layers to that onion, Pat. I appreciate you starting with that. Um, I'm, I'm an executive. I'm a business coach. Um, I own a consulting business that helps people grow their business, get more freedom, give back. I'm a father of two wonderful late teen children, and I work really hard to be an amazing husband to an amazing woman. Um, and, uh, you know, I just try to earn my place in the family every day and earn my place in the world every day by giving as much as I can through my business. Um, I've been a financial advisor for 22 years before I started coaching and basically turned all those skills into things that my clients use right now to maximize uh, their impact in the world. I'm going to stop you, Mike, because... Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and today I have Mike Skripnik with me, who is speaking to us from outside of Vancouver. I'm sitting in New Jersey. That's the glory of being able to do podcasts through Zoom. Mike is a person I met through my involvement as a C-suite network contributor, and I will let him introduce himself. By the way, C-Suite Network is the company that is hosting the platform for this podcast, and it is the largest business podcasting platform in the world. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. All the way across the continent. Great to be here today. Um, Thanks for the introduction, and uh, I'll expand a little bit. So I'm a business coach. I work with entrepreneur owners in their mid-careers who are seeking more impact, really. Um, It's the impact mindset that gets me going every day. I'm a father of two wonderful late teen children. I have a wonderful wife who keeps me in line. (laughs) Just trying to fit in in the family and make my own impact. For 22 years, I was an investment management professional. And in the last four or five years, I've transitioned into coaching uh, to help share all the wisdom that I learned. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about later with people who really need it at a time when they need it the most. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I have with, to, with me today Mike Skribnik, who is joining me from outside Vancouver. I'm sitting here in New Jersey. We are an international show today. Mike and I met each other through being involved as C-Suite Network contributors. The C-Suite Network 
hosts this podcast and is the largest business podcast platform in the world. And when I found out what Mike did and the fact that he has written several books, I thought he would be great to come onto the show to give you some inspiration on how your book fits within your business platform. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. Nice to see you uh, from across the continent. It's great to be on the show. Tell our listener a little bit about your background and and what you have brought to the show today. Well, Pat, it, it, you know I'm a I'm a business coach who helps mid career entrepreneurs who are impact minded uh, make that impact. Uh, often we're seeking that impact and we're just stuck in our mid careers, not trying to figure it out or not being able to figure out why. We're not doing what we hope to do. It's kind of where I was a dozen years ago. In the meantime, I have a wonderful family, a beautiful, wonderful wife who keeps me in line, and two amazing 16 and 19-year-old children who, who their inquiry, inquiring minds happen to keep me in line as well. So <laughs> my background is financial services, and I've been coaching entrepreneurs for quite a number of years now. I think the parents who've have teenagers or who have ever had teenagers can appreciate the value of that statement that um, they keep you on your toes for sure. Yeah, they ask smart questions and uh, sometimes dad just doesn't have the answers anymore and you can't, you can't fool them anymore. So you got to know your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of the people who are sitting in the audiences when professional speakers make a statement that isn't true and the, the audience has their cell phones in their hands and they're fact checking. Uh, no, excuse me, it's not 70%, it's 65.3%. <laughs> you can't throw stats around uh, willy nilly anymore unless you disclaim them up front. <laughs> Absolutely not. You mentioned you are a, a coach for people who are in mid career, so presumably they've got some years of experience behind them and they are looking for ways to move forward for the duration of the time that they want to work. What kinds of challenges do you see them experiencing and how does publishing a book fit in with those challenges? Oh, Pat, great deep question. And it takes me right back to a dozen years ago when I was struggling at a time with my business mid-career as a financial service professional when there was a financial crisis going on and everybody thought that the financial markets in the planet were just going to zero. And I had been serving people for a number, quite a lot of years. I was 13 years into my career at that time. And what it revealed, and when times of crisis happen, it reveals a lot about the, the quality of your business. And I wasn't happy. I didn't enjoy the day-to-day -day 50 hours I was putting in at the office. Um, because it wasn't consistent with what I was doing in my evenings and weekends in the community and with my family. And I kind of made a point of just saying that doesn't happen anymore going forward. But how do I do it? And so I wanted to live my passion seven days a week. And it started with, um, I'd help, been helping an endowment through the crisis. And it just started with a goal to maybe help redirect a million dollars to charity every year. And so I drew that onto my whiteboard and I said, that's my goal. Let's build a business in this marketplace that supports that. It was a rather auspicious and audacious kind of goal. Uh, my peer groups didn't really understand it and the people I wanted to serve, which were charities 
and high net worth donors or investors um, certainly didn't trust the financial service industry very much at that time. So one of the most important things I did to overcome, you know, that fox in a hen house feeling where they were barring the doors and grabbing their shotguns to try to keep me at bay. Um, I just wanted to serve. And the most important part of getting through that moment, getting into that conversation and on the other side of the table with them was writing a book. When I decided to write a book, I wanted to become an expert in the field. I wanted to serve the people who were the decision makers. And I wanted to basically provide a real clear sign that I was one of them, that I was there to serve. And it did all of those things. And it was actually magical. It was hard. My first book wasn't a very pleasant process for me. It was very expensive and it was a difficult endeavor. I didn't make a lot of the good choices through there. I didn't have a lot of good guidance, but at the end, it was uh, well worth the price of admission, if I will. What was the topic about? Philanthropy. So, you know, I sat there, you know, if I had a million dollar a year goal to charity, how could I inspire the people who needed to um, be persuaded that I was there to help, right? And those people were directors, board of directors of charities that I was hoping to serve. And, you know, before they basically had no interest in dealing with a financial service professional. And I was really anti, I was a big governance guy and I didn't enjoy the whole, um, you donate a large, large amount of money, then you get the work. I didn't like that. I thought that was pretty conflicted. And so ultimately what I did was publish this book to show and demonstrate that I was an expert in the market. And I wanted to just teach them how they could give to charity. I was going to be like, philanthropy for dummies you know it was for the ceo philanthropy for dummies and it ended up being about more about the journey that great philanthropists of modern day like oprah and bill gates and buffett um how they what their journey was and i just reflected it as a story for the people i was hoping to serve and we know that people love stories and respond to stories and learn from stories they do and it's an extraordinarily powerful way I always tell people in the book writing, you know, I help people coach them through their book writing process as well. And one of the things I tell them about storytelling is book writing and book reading is just basic rote learning. Like you're reading and learning. Once you bring stories into it, it brings the element of experience, you know, that familiarity and that helps people get the message, drive the message home or create a colorful image of what you're doing. You said a few minutes ago that it was um, a difficult process and it was an expensive process. The first time author or person writing a book listening to this is going to be intensely curious. <laughs> what did you learn from the experience that have the potholes that they need to guide themselves around so that they don't step into them? Well, it, it, for me, it was a lot of who I um, teamed up with. Uh, their model was a retainer. They basically took a publisher role and a pseudo coach role. And uh, the, while it was exciting, because I thought this person really knew what they were doing, um, they had just written a book and gotten someone else to do it, um, which I found out later. Uh, so they really didn't know everything. They just had it done for them. So that wasn't helpful. <laughs> And uh, an expensive retainer combined with things that I thought were black box items, mystery, mysterious things like your packaging and, and all of the surroundings about publishing a book. 
seemed like a mystery to me. And I basically fell for the line that it's a very expensive thing to do when it really isn't. That's actually probably the least expensive editor. Sure. We invested in an editor to help me get that over the line. Some writing that needed to be supplemented. That was helpful as well. But really this whole black box mentality that sometimes publishers will tell you um, was really about $10,000 I should have invested in uh, marketing. You know, I, I thought I was getting a little more of a publicist than a publisher and I didn't know the difference. So I would highly recommend people learn, you know, what, to, what they're expecting and what they get for what they invested. I think it was a $30,000. It was over $30,000 investment for me for my first book. My oh, most yeah. recent one, yeah, my most recent one was published for less than a thousand dollars, and it's you know ten times the book. It sounds like there's a bear, buyer beware lesson here in your first experience, uh, and it's a very popular model. I mean, there are a number of companies that offer a package deal, and it sounds appealing. Uh, one of the people who went through my book authoring mastery course hired a publisher of more of a vanity press publisher and spent $14,000 to get the cover done, to get the book edited for them to launch it. I'm not sure that she's so, she's so early in this process that I don't know that she's seen returns yet from that experience. But you have to sell a hell of a lot of books to pay back 14, much less $30,000. And most people will never, the, the odds are very high against you ever making enough in book sales to pay that back. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I have very, like, everybody has their reason for writing a book. First of all, everybody's got a book in them. Yeah. You, as you know, Pat, most people don't get a book out of them. And almost, and even fewer get a book done. So I think that the one of the battle, the first battles is understanding a process or being involved with somebody who will help you get it done. Um, there are a lot of demystifying things about editing, formatting, publishing that need to be tackled. But with the right guidance, you can you can navigate those waters and you can do it affordably. There is the other part. There is an investment for people who need to add professionals. If, in one case, I wrote a book um, by the pool, sitting by a pool, it took me three hours and basically wrote the entire book. Within five months, it was published. And that was a $300 endeavor, right? Uh, another book, the same time I was writing a book that was half the size and was a little more challenging, I couldn't sort the thoughts out. So I had to hire a writer. And when I hired a writer, I invested in her expertise to help connect my thoughts, put my words into a sensible chronological or continuity, um, continuous meaning, right? So when you need to bring in experts, you must invest in them. But there's so much of the process that has been completed or held back as a black box process that has a premium to it that is merely, that's just a market rate. And when people tell me that's just how it is, I often want to dig in and find out that it's not. Now, I'm not saying it's not an investment because you could, you know, you're probably going to be between if you add a coach to it, like me, it'd be between two and $5,000 all in, right? But it's not going to be 10 and it's not going to be 15. There are some people though that need and want it done for them. So if you want to write a book and you don't want to write a book, now you're investing 
right? And you're investing for both speed and the freedom not to do it. Lastly, of course, and you know this as well, Pat, there's a big difference between self-publishing and publishing. If you use a typical self-publishing platform, you are definitely not looking to be on the shelves of every airport bookstore, every bookstore down the street, right? There is a difference about distribution and publishers can bring that. And that's where a publisher can truly add value if they're into the distribution of your book on major bookstores and major bookshelves. Mm -hmm. And that's worth investing for some people. I just did a podcast um, not, a, not even an hour ago with Jennifer Fonderay, who has a book that she wrote on mergers and acquisitions. And she approached through book agents and directly several publishers, and many of them were interested in the book, but they wanted her to invest in them, to pay them money to publish her book. And they were traditional mainstream publishers. So all of the rules for what do you pay for, how much should you pay, it's all changing. It is. Uh, there's a huge, you know, the democratization of many businesses is happening right in front of our eyes and it's accelerating with technology, you know, the, the solutions are becoming more and more uh, available and uh, they're being, they're better. You know, you, I don't think, like I personally, I'm, I used to be in the advisory world. So for 22 years as a, as a high net worth advisor for, um, you know, families and, you know, there's a real value in that trusted role and the role of good advice. And the role of good advice often is less about the investment you make in it um, and the potential return um, and more about the potential for not making mistakes that cost you thousands and thousands of dollars or an incredible amount of time. So often a good coach or advisor in that process is the most crucial part of getting you to where you need to go without taking a lot of potholes along the way. Um, I often want to learn with people why they even wanted to write a book in the first place. And it's kind of paramount to understanding the self-publish or publish role. Um, I think you and I were talking briefly about the idea of um, my business is to help people become well-known authors mm -hmm. and not necessarily the greatest writers. Um, JK Rowling, Mark Twain, you know, Gladwell, they're not, they're, that's not our goal. Our goal is to help a person position themselves in a marketplace that allows them to maximize the credibility that a book gives you, um, to understand how that works for you and opens doors for you and puts you at the, what I needed at one time was to be on the same side of the table as the people I was hoping to serve. And when a book, when you can use a book in that way, it's magical. Um, J. Conrad Levinson wrote Guerrilla Marketing you know, and for me in the 90s, that was a huge, that was, I think for mm -hmm. a lot of people, that was a big Bible of marketing. Um, he was asked one time um, how many books he sold, just like my mom asked me. My mom was like, oh, you wrote another book. How much did, how many of you sold? And I'm like, well, not that much, mom, but that wasn't the point. And, you know, he was asked how many he sold and he kind of deflected and said, well, I guess $10 million, you know, is what I made from the book. And, and the person was blown away about that um, answer. He said, but, you know, I sold probably about $35,000 worth of the book. And I made $9.9 million plus um, through selling my coaching, my training, my business, my other stuff. So that's the power 
of a book and the relationship I have with entrepreneurs and owners who are looking to write their book. Quite frankly, in my opinion, who need to write their book. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing more powerful than I think to put someone at what I call the top of their mountain of credibility than a book. And, you know, that was exactly what I was talking about with Jennifer an hour ago, because she lived through three painful mergers and acquisitions and realized that there was a lot of pain in the business world associated with that phenomena. She had life experiences that would be valuable to people who've been caught up in the turmoil associated with an M&A and now has, as part of her coaching and speaking business, helping companies who are struggling with merging different cultures, dealing with the people issues associated with it. That book gave her credibility and a way to help other people. And I suspect your books, and I know we haven't talked about all of them, but you've told me before we started, you've got six books. Each one of those, including that first one that got you from the critical zero books to the first book, each one of them added to your experiences and your credibilities and your knowledge about this space. Yeah, I would, you know, I, I will go back. As hard as that book was, uh, I earned multiples of six figures because I had become an author. Like, there's no question that it had a direct impact in my future earnings uh, following the publication of that book. So for years to come, until I wrote my next books, that book was responsible for the opportunities that I had to earn. So there's no question to help my business. Um, then writing other books uh, became a thing. You know, I, I kind of swore it off <laughs> for a while because it wasn't a great experience. But in retrospect, I look back and I went, well, it was the kind of thing that really impacted my business in a way that was so positive that I should probably do it again. And so I began writing my second and third books um, and they did exactly what I was hoping they would do. They would help me position another market. They helped me expand a new market, which was my entrance into the coaching world back in 2014. And then it was just, it becomes one of those things. Now that you know the process and you know the, uh, how to get it done in a reasonable time and what you need to do, um, suddenly it becomes something that you don't even, aren't aghast about. You just say, okay, well, I guess it's time to write on that book. Um, I need to enter this market or I need to take this initiative a book would be a great way to lead into that market so I can get opportunities to share what I know and how I'll serve. And, and it's funny, uh, I just wrote this uh, book, Entrepreneur Secrets to Grow, Get, Give Life. That was my fifth book. It's kind of the, you know, you were funny about the first versus the last. Well, you're a heck of a lot better writer at the end mm-hmm. than you were at the beginning. Um, I always tell people, you'll never finish a book if you scrutinize it too much because you're better at the end than you were at the beginning. And you take that into multiples of books and you're still a better writer at the end than you were at the beginning. So you have to be able to finish it. Um, But following that, I was trying to get a book writing, you know, this whole online shift for all of us. Attracting people to your courses isn't the same as bringing them in person to your workshop. And so how do you do that? Well, my one of my funnel builders said, you need a, uh, an ebook. And I said, well, I don't have an ebook. He goes, well, there's this whole resource you can get. You can just pick them. You can download other people's stuff, you know, private label it. And I, I looked at that and I thought, geez, that's really not authentic. It's not me. I don't really want to do that. And, and so I woke up the next day after having this conversation and I wrote an ebook that was, you know, 10 chapters long, 
Um, and I did it in two hours, fully published it. And that afternoon it was on Amazon. And so my sixth book to think about how you could do that basically for no money other than two and a half hours of investment of time writing it. Um, and it was done. And to understand that you can be published that quickly and it's a good piece of helpful literature um, that if you can understand that you can get through that process, then books become such a magical tool that you can actually produce almost at will. There's a huge difference between being able to get a book online in that speed versus going to a traditional publisher and waiting a year from the time you submit the manuscript or the time you actually from the time you start to the point that you see it in print it could be at least a year it could be 18 months um, many of my earlier books were published by lawyers and judges publishing company and it would be a labor of months and months and going back and forth between the page proof and the edited work and making sure that the copy editor didn't distort any changes in the process of editing. They were also books with multiple contributors. And it may not surprise you at all, Mike, to know there are people who like the idea of being published more than they actually like the idea of writing. So we had in every book, one or two people who said, absolutely, I will meet your deadlines. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't. No. And that's another whole challenge of, of putting together people, teaching them how to turn in their work, what are the deadlines, here are the implications, here's the format, no, you can't change your format, we have to follow the format we're giving you, yes, you have to meet the deadlines, no, I'm sorry that you're in Iraq with a satellite phone and you can't get your work done. <laughs> We had one book, we waited six months for one of the authors to come back from overseas so that she could finish her two chapters and everybody else was done on time and she held up the entire book. But anyway, I digress. Well, that, that is <laughs> a, little a challenge. Bit of trauma. It is a challenge with compilation. Uh, I just was my, the one, my fourth book was really the, the key author in a, in a, the expert author in a compilation project. And you know, I know the sensitivity of this and I hit every deadline, you know, I'm, you'd be a professional, right? You, you, you deliver exactly what you're supposed to when you're supposed to. And, you know, that project got delayed by two months because everybody else is dragging their feet because they just wanted to be published. Yes. I was hoping, you know, I knew that publishing, I didn't, you know, I wasn't participating in the sales in the same way. I wasn't doing any of that. It, may, it might have been a feather in my cap. I mean, four books in, you go, okay, well, what was it? How am I serving people? And, you know, to be of service to help the author or the compiler, the publisher, that was more my uh, agenda. My, you know, I thought I wanted to do something good, help people and serve her community. And, you know, I took that seriously. But some people just, you know, they, they don't understand it. And, you know, if you mentioned the uh, publishing company, you know, kind of drags the process out. And it takes a, you know, coaching collapses time for people. That's kind of number one. And the publishers come in and they extend it. And you know, as well as anybody, it's hard to be an author in the first place. You're going to have a month or six weeks or, you know, you're going to have a period where you just can't write. Nothing makes sense. You're disgusted with the whole, process. like it all, all those emotions happen, especially if you're the one doing the bulk, if not all the writing. Um, and that just adds to the delay and adds to the stress of the whole process. You guide people so well, 
your experience on both sides of publishing and self-publishing. I mean, that, that's incredible wisdom that you share through your business with your clients because people just don't understand that it's just, a, it isn't, the journey of an author isn't a really pleasant one, um, but it's a really rewarding one. And while you're in flow, it's great. When you're stuck, it's tough to have someone like you um, and even me on, uh, on a person's side in that process is, is priceless. It is a lonely and twisted path, I think, to become <laughs> an author. And, and it's so easy to lose objectivity and to feel like you're wandering around in a black cloud. Uh, one of the things that, that Jennifer said to me not long ago, and I'll, I'll mention her for the third time, is that she had a book proposal that she wanted to have critiqued. And I was with um, Jeffrey Hazlett and was teaching on a panel on book writing for the National Speakers Association. And Jeffrey loves to put people's cards in a hat and then pull it out and then they win prizes. So Jennifer won a prize of having me critique her book proposal. And she said to me just a few minutes ago, it was so helpful to have another person read that book proposal and tell me there was value in what I was proposing to write this book on mergers and acquisition. Because up to that point, it was just me and my thoughts and not mm -hmm. knowing whether it would appeal to anyone else besides me. That's what a book coach or a trusted friend or an advisor can give you when you're sitting there stumped or you're lost up in your caught up in your own world and you don't know what other people are thinking of your idea, what they will think of your idea. When I did some research with some people about a year ago to find out what were their biggest fears and frustrations and challenges related to writing a book, one of the themes was, what if I write this book and it's no good and nobody's interested? Right. What a tragedy that would be. Well, uh, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's the sense when an author is going through their journey, no matter how accomplished they are. I mean, you know, you get celebrities, heads of state, you know, heads of companies who write books because they feel and they understand the value of it. Uh, but through that, that imposter syndrome or the feeling of lack of worth or, you know, you, that is one of the moments, even though people, people will be, they'll put the craziest thing on social media. But well, they'll write a top, write about a topic that they're an expert in, and put it in a book, and they feel that that is more revealing and more exposing than anything else they do <laughs> anywhere else. Like how they'll behave in so many different ways and so many different platforms. You stick it in a book. There's something so permanent about it, even though the internet's very permanent, um, that people feel extremely vulnerable and exposed, and it's usually about peer approval. It's about the people you're hoping to impress that you impress them. And I often give people some reassurance because there are rare books where I am, I read every single page, every single word. Like there is a rare book where it's got me so glued that that's exactly what I'll do. Or I'll read every word, but it might take me months. And so that's not really a great book, right? It didn't cap capture me for me. And most people don't read your book end to end word for word, quite frankly. And I think a lot of people are just so worried that they'll be under such scrutiny that they can't misstep. But there's admiration in it. You mentioned the Speakers Association. There's so much admiration for a speaker. No one in the audience wants the speaker to fail 
because it's a terrible experience for everybody. They're all rooting for you. And so the people that matter in your network with your book, the people you're most worried about judging your book, they want you to succeed and they're happy you did it and they wish they could have done it. Right. So I, I think people just, yeah, it's really, it's a funny thing, you know, what we'll allow to be out there in public and how worried we are about what gets written. It's kind of an interesting, <laughs> I, I, it might be a longer topic than we have for time. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's horrifying for many authors to realize that people are not going to be reading their books from cover to cover. I think the statistic is something like only one out of five readers gets to the end of the book. Mm. This came up, um, I was working with an author as a ghostwriter and editor for him, and he didn't feel that the last two chapters were perfect. And he has not yet, and it's now been a year and a half, he has not finished that book and let it out to the world because he is sitting there saying, these last two chapters, they're not good enough. This book yeah. has to be perfect. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's such yeah. a sad, sad situation for him. <laughs> I talk about books uh, and becoming an author. You know, I talk about this thing called a mountain of credibility. And the reason I call it that, it's like climbing Everest, you know, and, and people who've climbed Everest, there's only um, 4,000 people out of all, all recorded history that people have reached since Sir Edmund Hillary. Um, and, you know, 300 people have died trying and 7 billion people have never even, you know, gotten near the mountain. There's something really magical about that person. They come into any room and they're immediately recognized as a credible expert. But what they never wonder is whether they crawled onto the very top, they stood up at the top, they were like, you know, whatever, they were, you know, emaciated. No one really cares about how they got that last 100 feet to the peak, just that they got to the peak. And the same as with writing, you know, that getting hung up on your last chapter or getting that intro just right um, is, are, are details that might be right in your head for a type of personality that's writing the book. But at the end of the day, matter so much less than becoming a completed and published author. And so getting it done matters so much more. You know, done is better than perfection, but let's just say becoming a published author is just like about the size of a book doesn't matter if you have a thick book or a little tiny book, the published book is better than the one that your competitor didn't publish, right? So just having it out there is really cri critical. It's, it's not going to necessarily be a seminal work. Your message is striking fear into the heart of all the perfectionists who are listening to this saying, but Mike, it has to be perfect. It's my reputation. It's my name on it. It's my credibility. I can't have a single typo in it. It's got to be as best as I can make it. I love that because Pat, I'm on your podcast just because I happen to have written a few books and maybe because we got to know each other and we have a mutual network, but I'm on here and I'm pretty sure most, if not all of your listeners haven't read my book. So what matters more? I have an opportunity to share a little bit of wisdom, maybe some ideas, maybe get people laughing um, and get to know them in a, this, this way where they never would have picked up my book in the first place. So I think it's more important. The book gave me an opportunity to have a wonderful discussion with someone I met like you who um, now are as part of my network and I can share 
ideas and secrets and interesting stories with along the way. And I'll bet, Mike, you have a lot of ideas and interesting stories and secrets from all of the years that you spent working as a business coach, working in financial services, working with nonprofits, and the, the process of working with people who've got knowledge and it needs to be teased out of them so that they can become published authors. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, I mean, that's, those are, that's probably a bottle of wine, a long evening, good food, <laughs> good conversation. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I would say that you, you hit on something that I don't think about very often, but that is, you know, teasing information out of people with really, that are experts, that um, have real insights. And I don't think of it much. Uh, because it's just our role, right? Our role is to help people find that and get that wow moment and, and move forward. Um, but really how much gratitude I have for being a part of seeing that happen, seeing it bubble up to the surface where someone is being able to realize their future impact because they got this done. And they didn't do it in a way that um, they felt it was rushed or hurried or no one was listening, but they got an objective observer who helped them position it in a way that they hope it would go. And, and I think that's a, you know, that's a, it puts us in a really wonderful position and I'm pretty grateful for it. Well, you are the catalyst that helps the author help people. So you're part of the chain of events that leads to the people who need to hear that message from the author and need to read that message so that they in turn can change their lives. You're the facilitator to help the author bring that information out. Yeah, it's a, that's a big part of my give. Like I always, I always tell people, you know, so my first books were on philanthropy and giving. So most of it was around financial charitable giving and planning for that. And then my books became about business and, and entrepreneurship. And, but there's always a blend of giving. And over time, my giving became very personal. It was not just focused on what you could do financially, but um, how you can help others and how you can help yourself, right? So I started to really investigate how people were in their own wealth, health and wealth, and then how they could help their families, communities, and causes that matter most to them. So when I consider what I can give back, I, I didn't, I made a goal to give a million dollars back. I didn't have a million dollars. I didn't know how to do that. And I learned and I was able to, after six years, get, we gave away 12 and a half million to charity. We redirected 12 and a half million. It was just powerful. And now I look at the leverage. Well, maybe there's a financial reward if all the entrepreneurs I work with make more money and redirect more money to charity. But the leverage you just mentioned about having the impact into hundreds or tens or thousands or whatever the number of is with multiple authors being part of their process to serve a wider community is just, it's an amazing leverage that is, it will be generational, which is really exciting. You know, books will last long after we've passed. They will. And that's one of the wonderful things about being part of a legacy. Let yeah, me uh, summarize Mike, I'd like to end the show with pulling out the key points and what I've learned from this. We've talked a lot about getting into the, the process of becoming an author, doing some lessons learned 
um, research so that you are, are clear on what your choices are, what the costs are going to be. Sometimes the costs can be much greater than we realize and we learn from the, the positions that we take or the paths that we follow. You have a $30,000 investment and then a $300 investment and somewhere in there, there's an average somewhere. Uh-huh. It is um, the hardest thing to get from zero to one, meaning from not being an author to the first book. And there's a lot of mystery. Many people who I interview talk about the anxiety associated with, am I any good? Do I have a message that is important to share? What is the process that I need to go through in order to become an author? We've also stressed that being an editor of a compilation book, which I have done several times and you've had some experience with as well, involves a different role of being a cheerleader, a coach, a taskmaster master who keeps the writers to deadlines and that there's always in every book without fail, at least in my experience, one person who either likes to be published more than write or has had a disaster in their life. We haven't talked about the lightning strike that burned out the hard drive, the sister who fell off the horse and broke her arm, the husband who decided to walk out in the middle of the project, right. the, the disasters that with no intention makes the author unable to deliver and how that can affect a project. And you've shared the the huge value associated with having the opportunity to help authors take their knowledge and become published authors so that they can share what they know to help other people and how you've been able to use that talent and then provide a vehicle for charitable donations that are in turn helping thousands of people through the the work and through the contributions of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I said, I'm grateful for the positioning. I'm grateful to be a trusted advisor in that relationship. And I'm, I'm happy that I've got the wisdom that will be, you know, will serve people well. <laughs> you know, um, I took, I took a lot of, I hit a lot of those potholes. I took a lot of the flack along the way. So other people don't have to. Um, I don't view the school of hard knocks as the necessary route. If you just listen to people who've gone before you, were willing to share and be open and transparent about it, um, that's a good path. <laughs> it is. We started off our talk before we turned on the recording about you can become very wise if you pay attention and you learn from your mistakes or your outcomes. Um, Quite a while ago, when I got involved in multi-level marketing, one of the sales trainers said, you never fail. You just have unintended outcomes. <laughs> like a scientific process. You're not always right. You just come to some kind of conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and if you muck around long enough and you keep trying different things, you hit upon a formula that's successful. And if you surround yourself, which was another theme of your podcast, surround yourself with people who can give you guidance, who can help you when you are mired in your indecision, or you feel like you've lost your objectivity, and rely on them and their support, because you don't have to do this alone. It doesn't have to be a lonely 
twisted path to becoming an author. You can have people along the way at the next rest stop ready to help you and, and encourage you to keep on going. Yeah, you certainly can. And they're out there. How can our listeners find out more about you, Mike, and the services that you offer? Pat, I'll, my website is really simple. It's www.growgetgive.com or mikescripnick.com. Same website, same place. Um, they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm there. If you're looking for me by name or by Grow, Get, Give, you'll find me online. And within the first few um, you know, search items you find, just Google me and you'll find me. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you. And I appreciate the listener who is either listening to this on our audio platform or watching the video on our YouTube channel at Pat Iyer. Thank you so much for being part of this show and for listening to our authors sharing their experiences in writing books. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I have with me today Julianne Sullivan, who is the author of six books. She will be sharing some tips in this podcast that will help you as you're thinking about writing a book. Julianne, what are the key takeaways that our listener is going to get from your podcast? I think first and foremost, as you follow my journey, you will see how my writing style, what I chose to write about, and how I went about writing the books changes. Your first book may or may not be your best book, but it's all a learning experience. And the idea is with as you go through your own personal changes in your own personal um, profession and what you do in your career, what you write is going to be different and that's okay. And I think one of the best takeaways I said, which is really at the end, the best books are not written alone. All right. Thank you so much, Julianne. And be sure to Pick up Julianne Sullivan's podcast. You'll get a lot of great tips from a person who's written several books and shares in her journey how each of those books changed as she got experience and added new elements to the process of writing those books. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Oh, I just want to say one more thing. Get a coach. <laughs> Thank you. And if you need help, you can contact me. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.